Hey, everybody. <laughs> it's good to see you. Glad you're here. Well, we start this new worship series simply called Love Where You Live. And I bet if I were to ask you guys, you know, you guys love where you live. My hunch is most of us would say yes, right? And we probably love where we live, whether Louisville or Flower Mound or Highland Village or Copper Canyon or Lantana, any of these places, Double Oak, Bartonville. We probably love them because we love the safety and security. We, we love the schools. We love the, maybe even the shopping. Uh, there's all kinds of things we love, right? Now, I suppose the biggest question we might want to ask ourselves is, do we love the people as well? I don't need you to answer that question right now, but over the next several weeks, we're going to try to discover what's the best way for us to learn how to love where we live by loving the people. Because when all is said and done, that's what we're here for, right? As followers of Jesus, we are called to love God with everything we've got and love our neighbors, right? Or love people. It's foundational to who we are. It's kind of the basic commandments, right? In fact, Jesus himself would say, these are the greatest commandments, love God and love neighbor. And a part of what we've got to figure out as people who follow Jesus is, is this important enough for us to do? Is this important enough for us to literally love the image of God in other people? And I maintain the answer is yes. I also maintain it's not easy. In fact, we probably are all very aware that loving other people is more challenging than perhaps it's ever been, right? Because of the things we encounter, the things we see, the access we have to other uh, social media or media itself, and, and it makes it sometimes hard to love other people. And so our, our series has been founded in this notion that um, we need to better know how to love where we live, not just the surroundings, but the people. And of course, we start here at Treach with the foundation of who we are as a gathered body of people. We call it a mission. And many of you, if not all of you, hopefully know that mission. It's literally planted right over here on the, your left, and we've certainly put it on our, all of our digital, all of our print media. Our, our purpose, our mission is leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. I hope you know that. And everything we do is surrounded by that and guided by that, whether it's ministry, administration, uh, outreach, service, all of those things are founded in that mission. What you may not know is that there's a strategy behind that we refer to as a vision. And that vision is pretty straightforward as well, but it guides everything we do to help us know how we're going to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus. I want to put it on the screen so that you see it. All the leadership knows the vision. All the paid ministry team knows the vision, but not everybody in the pew might also know the vision. And the vision goes simply something like this. We want to create settings where all are encouraged and equipped to discover intimacy with God, grow in relationship together, serve others, and transform the culture. That becomes the strategy. How do we lead people into growing relationship? Well, the first three are pretty straightforward. Intimacy with God, that's worship. That's uh, spiritual practices, right? Uh, growing in relationship with others, you've experienced that through your life group or your Sunday school class or your reunion group or your Bible study. All of those things help us grow in relationship. Certainly serve others is pretty straightforward as well. This is what we're here for. This is what we do. It's that fourth little component that sometimes gets a little confusing. How do we transform the culture? What, what does that look like? What, what, what does that even mean? And I would suggest that all that really means, that's contemporary language for the biblical concept of building God's kingdom. To transform the culture is to help make God's kingdom real. To transform the culture is to take what we understand and see and encounter every single day and help realize what it is Jesus himself brought, which is God's kingdom. 
And so I want to spend a little time this morning trying to help us better understand God's kingdom and what that looks like and what our role is so that we can begin to figure out how is it that we can genuinely love where we live by loving the people, right? So this kingdom of God is extremely foundational to who we are. We will pray in this service, for instance, every single week. You might pray every single day. I don't know. Everybody's prayer life is different, but we pray this prayer that Jesus commanded us, right? It's called the Lord's Prayer. And in part, one phrase in the Lord's Prayer says simply, Thy will be done, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, right? And so that's pretty basic, right? That means Jesus is asking us to help build or create God's kingdom. Jesus is telling us when we pray that it's so foundational, it's a part of this everyday prayer. God's kingdom come here on earth just as it is in heaven. But Jesus himself would also say this is very foundational. You think, for instance, of Matthew chapter 6 in the, in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus is expressing the very clari clarifying understanding of who he is and what he's about. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, it just says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. That means live right with God, live in right relationship with God, right? But seek the kingdom above all else. Other translations say, seek the kingdom first. Other translations say, seek the kingdom first and foremost. I don't know what that means to you, but to me, that means the kingdom's pretty basic. It's foundational. It's what we ought to be after and striving for every single day. This is, these are Jesus's words. They're clarifying. They're foundational. And they make up what our goal as his followers are. So foundational is this when we look in Mark's gospel and Jesus is beginning his ministry in the very first chapter of Mark's gospel, Jesus would say this as he sets up his ministry in verses 14 and 15. Now, after John was arrested, you know, John is cousin, kind of the unique guy. After he was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the good news. The time is fulfilled. This is God's time. This is God's relational time. God's desire to be in relationship with all of creation. God's desire to be in relationship with all of humanity. God's desire from the very beginning of creation to be with us and to be for us. Jesus is saying that time, it's, it's culminated in this very moment in my ministry, he's saying, and it's God's kingdom has come it's right here. And a part of what Jesus is proclaiming in that moment is to say, not only have I brought this, not only is it with me, but now as my followers, you need to repent, change your ways, and join in the journey for making the kingdom real, for helping create this amazing new kingdom. Unlike any other empire, unlike any other nation, unlike any other kingdom, this kingdom is distinctive and Jesus is bringing it. And it takes you and me. That's basically what he's inviting us into, right? Jesus would also say in John's gospel, in that powerful encounter with Nicodemus in the third chapter, he tells Nicodemus, you need to be born from above, you need to be born again, right? And Jesus in that, in that very chapter says, I tell you, you will not enter the kingdom of God unless you are born of uh, water and the Spirit. And a part of what Jesus means by that is you've got to be in relationship with me, Jesus. You've got to be in relationship with God's child. You've got to know him and understand him and follow his teachings. And therefore, when you do, you'll be able to enter the kingdom of God. What he would go on to say, of course, is not only will you be able to enter the kingdom of God, but you will help others because God so loved the world 
right? And God wants the world to encounter this kingdom. The gift that Jesus is proclaiming through uh, his message to Nicodemus is to you and me as well. So much so must it be a part of who we are in this relationship with Jesus. Luke's gospel has Jesus helping us to better understand as well that it starts from within and that it starts in this relationship with Jesus. So in Luke chapter 17, Jesus is having a conversation with a group of Pharisees and, and they want to know, hey, Jesus, when, when is this kingdom coming you keep telling us about? How are we going to know? What sign will we see? How will we understand that this kingdom of which you speak will be real at all? And in verse 21, Jesus just says, look, you're, you're not going to hear anybody say, here it is, or hey, look, it's over there. What you need to understand is that the kingdom of God is within you. Jesus' love is within you. The love that he calls you to is for you to share with others, but it starts in this relationship, and you've got to help share that with other people. It is a phenomenally new, unique, never-before kingdom. Nobody's ever seen anything like it until Jesus came. And he's trying to help all of us see how not only foundational that is, but important it is to us as his followers to make it real. You may recall that Jesus had this encounter with uh, the, the governmental official, Pilate, just before he was crucified. John chapter 18 gives us a powerful um, encounter with that dialogue. It's a very intimate conversation that Jesus and Pilate have. And Pilate is confused. Why is it your people are trying to kill you? If you're a king, why would they want to kill you? If you've got this new kingdom, why don't you kind of call them down? And, and I don't get it, says Pilate, to which Jesus responds in 1836, look, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would come right now and they would stop this whole mess. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this world. In his last moments, Jesus is expressing what he's been teaching for now three years. He's trying to convey not only to his then followers, but even to Pilate and the government. Look, you guys have got a strong empire here in the Roman Empire. You've, you've created a nation state that's beyond any other that we've ever seen. But I'm here to tell you, the kingdom that I bring, it's better. It's bigger. It's broader. It goes further. It, it can reach more people, and it will change and transform the world. What Jesus does not say, but what you and I know in history, is that very empire called the Roman Empire would crumble under this pacifist, um, peaceful nation called Christ followers within about three centuries. And a part of all that was brought about through that is this new kingdom that Jesus brought. And it would change the world. And so Jesus is inviting us to participate and to make it real in the world today. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So how does this work? How, how do we make this kingdom come? How do we help create this kingdom? Well, um, I think it's based in a simple commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. In fact, when Jesus was having a conversation with a scribe, Mark's gospel tells us, the scribe is asking Jesus, hey, what is the greatest commandment? What, what, what is the thing that we need to know the best? And Jesus said that. He said, the Lord our God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And the scribe says, you've answered right, <laughs> as if Jesus needed to know that, right? 
You've answered well. You've answered right. In fact, this is the truth. We do need to love God with all our heart, and we do need to love our neighbor. In fact, we need to do that more, says the scribe, than our worship and our sacrifice. Wow. For a Jew to say, we must love God and neighbor more than our worship and more than our sacrifice, that's life-transforming. That's like his whole world has just been blown up, and he knows that there's something unique and different about what this Jesus is bringing. And sure enough, Jesus tells him in Mark chapter 12, verse 34, I see that you understand this. Realizing what he has said, he says to him, you have come near to the kingdom of God. Man, that lays it out, doesn't it? We can build the kingdom of God by loving God with everything we've got and loving our neighbor, and it begins to change who we are, and it begins to change the world. This becomes radically important because it's what will help transform the culture. We won't transform the culture by telling people what we believe. We won't transform the culture by telling them what they should believe. How has that worked for us lately? How, how does it work well to transform somebody's heart or transform somebody's life by saying, you know, you're really an idiot and you don't believe right and you need to change your ways? When did that last work for you? It doesn't really, does it? Nor does it work very well even to say, here's what I believe and I hope you will believe it too. Now, that's an important thing to share, but it's not necessarily going to transform the culture. What will transform anybody's life transform anybody's understanding of how they are a child of God is to love them, is to help them to know that they bear the image of God. No matter who they are, no matter what their values are, no matter what they cherish versus what I cherish or you cherish, God did not say, for I so love the world because they believe the way I do. God simply said, I love the world and I'm going to offer the world my child because I know the world needs my child. And likewise, when God says to us, uh, love your neighbor as yourself, um, God didn't say, love your neighbor if they believe the same way you do. Love, the love your neighbor if they vote the same way you do. Uh, love your neighbor if they live in the same community as you. He didn't say that, did he? He said, love your neighbor the way you are yourself loved by God. That's what he's calling us to, and that's how he claims us for this bigger picture, to build God's kingdom. It's an awesome responsibility. It is a difficult thing to do, to love people the way God has first loved us, and yet it's what we're called to. Just the other day, I was at a conference. Several of us from the church were there, and Andy Stanley was speaking. And Andy, of course, is a great speaker and has uh, amazing wisdom. And, and a part of what Andy said in that conference was, you know, it is your choice whether you choose to follow Jesus or not. That's a choice we make. But if you make that choice and you choose to follow Jesus, you have no choice about how you follow Jesus. You follow Him. You follow His will. You follow His teachings. You follow what He's claimed for you. You build God's kingdom through His teachings. And I think that's where we find ourselves, friends. Jesus is asking us to build God's kingdom. Jesus is commanding us to love other people. 
And the challenge, therefore, then becomes, do I believe I'm loved? Even me? Chief among sinners, as Paul would say, and clearly I would claim myself. I believe God loves me, even with all my faults, even with all my frailties, and therefore I need to figure out a way to love others, whoever they may be and whatever they may be doing. This is Christ's command. And so, several months ago, um, I commissioned a group we, we now refer to as the Clear Vision Team back in January, and the Clear Vision Team gathered for several months, and as they gathered, they were trying to help bring clarity to what does it mean to transform the culture? What does it mean to fulfill our mission? How do we do that? And, and they came up with what we now call the Clear Vision Statement, and the Clear Vision Statement helps to bring clarity to how it is we can transform the culture. So I want to share that statement with you. I've done this a few months ago. I want to do it again, and this will be kind of foundational to what we're going to do over the next few weeks about how do we learn to love where we live. So the clear vision statement goes something like this. We envision a community, a, a community like Lantana or uh, Highland Village or Fire Mound or Louisville or Double Oak or Copper Canyon or Bartonville, all these communities. We envision a community where people matter, Brokenness is healed and love is lived. And when that community is made or created, then God's kingdom is going to happen because people do matter, don't they? I mean, if, if indeed we're supposed to love God and love our neighbor, then people must matter. Relationship, connection with human beings, connection with who it is God created people to be that we literally do see in others the image of Christ. It means that we need to take people seriously. It means that we need to love who they are and we need to be in relationship with them. We all know that we're broken, every last one of us, not just those people out there, but every one of us here, right? And we all need healing. For some of us, it's deep and dark, our brokenness. For others of us, it's a somewhat superficial. But for all of us, we find that we need healing and we need God's touch and we need the reality that God can help us just like we know and believe that God can help others. We envision a community where people matter and brokenness is healed and ultimately that love is lived. It's not just talked about, thought about, or prayed about, but it, something's actually done about it. Something is done with it, that we actually help people to know that God's love found in Jesus Christ is real and transformational and can help make all things new. What a powerful gift that would be. If that community becomes real, then you will see the kingdom. You will have been a part of the kingdom and you will have helped to love where you live, know of Jesus and what it is he can do. It looks a little bit like this. Some of you may know Tony Campolo. Tony Campolo is a, a older gentleman now, I think he's about 89 or so now. He's a Christian pastor, a, a professor, an author, a motivational speaker. Uh, he's written more than 20 books. One, one of his favorite books that he wrote a long time ago, Is Jesus a Republican or a Democrat? Do you know he wrote that almost 30 years ago? And it's still relevant today, isn't it? But among all of his books, he, he tells some phenomenal stories about the kingdom of God. And one of those stories has had a deep impact on me that I want to share with you because it demonstrates that people matter. Brokenness uh, can be healed and that love can be lived. 
As a motivational speaker, you know, of course, he travels a lot, right? And, and one time, Tony found himself in, a, in another time zone far from his own, uh, and he had a little bit of sleep deprivation, right? Have you ever had that when you're traveling and you find yourself two or three or four or five time zones away? And he found himself up at about 3 a.m. in the morning. He couldn't go back to bed, and, and so he went to a donut shop. He went to get some food and maybe a little bit of companionship when he was lonely across the country. And, and so he went to the donut shop, and he, you know, just started talking to the donut owner and and uh, he happened to notice a, a small crowd of women that came in after him. And he, he soon realized that these were some uh, ladies of the evening, some hookers, who uh, evidently, unbeknownst to him, kind of came into that donut shop every evening uh, about this time when their, their stuff was over. And as he was sitting there, he began to hear a conversation between two of them, and, and uh, he became enamored by the conversation. And, and one of them, whose name was Agnes, he would discover later in the conversation her name was Agnes. Agnes was saying to one of her coworkers, you know, tomorrow's my birthday. And she got all excited. Tomorrow I'm going to turn 37 years old. And her friend just kind of looked at her and um, in a very callous way said, so what do you want from me? I mean, you want me to sing you happy birthday? You want me to bake you a cake? What do you want from me? And Agnes just turned to her friend and just said, why, why do you got to be so mean? Why, why do you always have to downplay who I am? I, I'm not asking you for anything. I'm just telling you it's my birthday. In fact, why, why would I even want a birthday party? I've never had a birthday party ever. And those words hung on Tony Campolo. And so eventually Agnes and her friend left, and, and Tony hung out a few more minutes, and he just said to the donut shop owner, he said, hey, uh, hey, did these gals come in here every night? I mean, is this like a, a daily thing? And the donut shop owner said, yeah, they're here every night when, they're, when their stuff's over. And, and uh, Tony said, okay, I got a plan. I want to invite you, the donut shop owner, into a party conspiracy. He said, what do you mean? Tony said, what I want to do is tomorrow I want to go get some balloons and some decorations. I want to go get some, a cake, and I want to have a party for Agnes. It's her birthday. She's never had a party before. And the donut shop owner looked at him like, what the? What, why would we? And Tony just said, I, I want to do it. Are you willing? Will you let me do this in your shop tomorrow evening, 3 a.m.? He said, yeah. And so uh, even the donut shop owner's wife got into the party. And so the next morning, he has brought, Tony has brought in the cake and the decorations and the noisemakers and the confetti and the streamers and all of this stuff just for Agnes, who he's never met before. And sure enough, Agnes comes in with her coworkers. And she's flabbergasted. And they start singing to her, and they start blowing the noisemakers, and they start shooting off the deals, and they start blowing the balloons. And, and she is beside herself. She is shocked. In fact, she starts weeping so much so she couldn't even blow out the candles on the cake. She was overwhelmed by the humility and the hospitality and the generosity. In fact, when they went to cut the cake, she said, I'm sorry, I'm, um, can I just take this home? to remember this night. And before she and her friends left, Tony led the crew in a prayer for the celebration of Agnes's life. And then when they left and sort of all the hullabool was over, the donut shop owner said to Tony, I, I didn't know you were a preacher. What kind of church you preach at? To which Tony simply replied, I preach at a church that has birthday parties for prostitutes at 3 a.m. in the morning. Friends, that's a picture 
of the kingdom of God. That's what this new kingdom looks like. Now you say to yourself, I don't have those encounters. I've never had that kind of circumstance happen in my life, and I'm pleased for you, and I've never had that either. But the reality is neither had Tony. He'd never had that happen to him before. He'd never been in that community before. But you get the point. People matter. Brokenness needs to be healed. And love ought genuinely be lived. You see, when that takes shape, because we've been commanded by Jesus to love people and to love God, it will transform the world. There is no empire, no nation, no nation state, no country, no other entity that can make that happen except the followers of Jesus because we belong to a king who is king of kings and Lord of lords who is beyond any other ruler, who is more capable than any other president, who can make happen what no one else can make happen because people matter. Brokenness needs to be healed and love must be lived if we're followers of Jesus. You see, this is his kingdom. This is who we need to be about. And I'm convinced this is how we will love where we live, and we will help transform a culture. One of the ways that I want to invite you to know more about that and to better understand how to live into that love and that healing and that um, living of God's love is God's Word has so much to offer us. And we have partnered with Version, the biblical app that has more than 500 million downloads. And we've partnered with them in such a way that they, will, they are building um, specific readings for us every single day over the next many weeks. So I want to encourage you, if you've not already downloaded Version, would you scan this QR code? It'll help you download Version. What it'll also help you to do is to connect our church, Treach Memorial United Methodist Church, with Version, so that you will get these Scripture readings to you, your, your phone every single day. So if you will scan that QR code, one of the first screens you'll see is the opportunity that's up next. You'll see that uh, you can, uh, at the very bottom of the screen, you can hit the discovery button, which is like a search function. And when you hit that, you'll just type in the name Treach, just right up at the top. When you type in Treach, you'll see our logo, the orange logo. You'll tap on that, and what you get after the orange logo is this. And you'll click My Church. It'll say, Make This My Church. When you do that, scroll down, and the reading plan will be there. There'll be a daily devotional, there'll be daily scriptures, and it will be tied in and match the theme of what we're going through over these next several weeks. I want to invite you to do that today, maybe even right now. And as you do, we will reinforce what it means to love our neighbor, what it means to love God, what it means that people matter, what it means and how can we heal brokenness, and how in tangible ways can we make love lived. When we do, I am convinced that God's kingdom will come, that the culture will be transformed, and that love will be genuine. Thanks be to God that we can be a part of that and that we can make that happen. Will you pray with me? Holy and loving God, thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. Thank you for the opportunity we have to love in his name, to love those who are maybe even strangers to us today. 
to love our community, to love the people in it, and to help transform everything that surrounds us. God, help us this day and the next to remember that people really do matter, that brokenness can be healed, and that love must be lived. And when we do, God, man, we're going to be a part of that great big party that you brought through your son Jesus. And we will help others to know his love so that they too can share him as well. God, this is our prayer. And we pray it in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.